Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Women's Hair Loss Project podcast. And today I wanted to discuss some of my hair loss story, the cause of my hair loss with you guys, because I actually made a YouTube video about this last week. And if you didn't know, I had a YouTube channel I do at WHLP Network, and I am posting on there more frequently. So if you want to see video content from me, please subscribe for sure. The topic was what caused my hair loss, but it ended up being more of a video that was a, you know, a bunch of different thoughts related to my hair loss, including regrets and telling a story and all of that. But I thought it would make for a good podcast because while I can't actually advise anybody what they should or should not do or what they should or should not take, I think there is value in sharing my story because it's in depth and it's one of many stories that are probably similar, different yet similar. And you could get insight, foresight into things you may not have thought of. And I know that I really wish that I had my story to listen to and available when I was starting to lose my hair. But that was not the case. So I was 21 years old. And in June of 1999, I started losing my hair from the birth control pill, the Western FE, actually getting off of the pill. And just so you know, it can also happen from getting on the pill. So it doesn't have to be just getting off. It could just be getting on. And for some women, such as myself, that have a genetic predisposition to hair loss, getting on a pill or getting off a pill or any number of other things, that can, there's other things too, even having a child, some other actions that for other people kind of just resolve itself. For people that have a genetic predisposition to hair loss, it can flip a switch. And now they are dealing with hair loss for the rest of their life. So I fall under that category. And had I not done that, I may have been confronted with hair loss later on in my life, um, but it wouldn't have been at the age of 21. That I am sure of. Basically, what the way it happened for me was I just woke up one day and there was hair all over my pillow. It literally was like from one day to the next. And I should say that I was born with a ton of hair. I was born with enough hair for five people. Probably at the age of three, I had more hair than most adults, for sure. It was just that kind of abnormal thing. And it's something I definitely took for granted. I just thought everybody was the same. But it afforded me to live my life for a long time looking like I didn't have hair loss. And even at the point that I had lost three quarters of my hair, I still had more hair on my head than most people, most women were born with. And the problem with that, and it is a problem, is that you're dismissed and your feelings are dismissed because you still look like you have hair on your head. So what are you complaining about? You should just be happy there's hair on your head. They don't realize this is not what you, this is not, this is not you. You've lost three quarters of your hair. They're just seeing the end result and that, well, it's good enough, but it's not good enough. You know, you're watching yourself erode in front of the mirror. Something's happening to you. You cannot control. And so that was a very difficult part of my journey because I was born with a lot of hair and was able to live a long time looking like I had a lot of hair. I wasn't really taken seriously. My feelings weren't taken seriously. So that was pretty painful, but that was a tangent. And I promise I'm sure there'll be a lot of those. But in June, I started looking online, which it was 1999. So think about where you were in 1999 and where the internet was in 1999. And it was basically like the spinning E eras with Yahoo groups and AOL dial-up. There wasn't really anything. I found basically, I know exactly what I found. I found one forum and it was like archaic format, threaded format forum that like most people that are in, like like jumping into like internet land today would not even know, know or be familiar with this type of format. It was just like, I can't even explain it. Anyway, <laughs> just think old and not useful. Um, but it was when there were women on there that were discussing their hair loss, a few 
But what there wasn't was any woman on there sharing that anything actually helped. And there's a couple theories behind that. Maybe they found the solution and just ran off and then didn't come back or they just didn't care to post anymore. Either way, the content was low. I found another website of a guy. His name was Mark. I do remember that distinctly. And I wrote, he was selling something and I wrote him a letter. It was probably very long. And I wrote him like in a very emotional letter, just explaining you know, if I got to tell you, I didn't have very many means in 20, uh, 21 years old. I didn't have any money or not much money. And, um, I was like, if your product works, I will actually, I will buy it. But I, this is what I'm going through. And I actually explained this whole thing. And I think he felt bad. (laughs) He's trying to, he was trying to sell a product, but I think this is one sale that he couldn't in his conscious make because of my age and my heartfelt story, he was like, I don't think the product will work for you. And that I do remember distinctly. Um, That's pretty uncommon nowadays when people try to sell things or take advantage of people. But he, he did, he did, I guess it struck a chord in his heart. And he told me that that his product wouldn't work. And so that was that was a no-go. I was having hope on that. I remember I kept going to the site that was just completely plain with just some text and some product I was going to, you know, find the money to buy. And he's uh, so anyway, so he said it, it wouldn't work. So that was that that was dead in the water. And then I went to the beauty supply house and they had nioxin and I, again, something else I can't afford. So uh, I was like, OK, it says it's going to grow hair, da, 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 use nioxin, didn't do anything but make my head tingle from the like mintiness. And um, it didn't hurt me, but it didn't help me either. So I did that. And then I saw doctors who were very dismissive of my situation because they were staring at a girl that had a ton of hair. So what was I talking about? What hair loss? So I was just running in circles in this like rat race of franticness, not knowing what to do and being in despair. And then also being in denial. I was in tremendous denial about what was happening to me because you don't want to think it's how ha- you don't want to think it's happening, but you wake up and there's this ton of hair on your pillow. So how can you ignore it? And I remember I went to go get my hair. I it was the very I didn't get many haircuts in my life, but I got a few before 21. And I did see had one hairstylist I went to and I had gone to get a haircut. And I asked the lady that washed my hair, does my hair feel thinner to you? Like I was looking for validation. And she was like, yes, it is. She's like, it's thinner. And this was less than a year. This is like within four months. I had lost so much hair. It was startling. And so I got validation from her. She's, you know, had touched my hair a number of times before. It felt thinner to her, just her. She was the, she was more successful in helping me with my hair loss than many of the doctors, at least in validating what was going on with me. So that course that I took and then um, course that I took, this is just going to be a scattered podcast. So I'm sorry, guys, if you don't want to hear all of this, but I'm sure somebody is is okay with hearing my scattered thoughts. And then also I found um, through that same forum that through that same website that was archaic, I found that that there was a book called The Truth About Women's Hair Loss by Spencer Coburn. And so I there's a Barnes and Noble by me. And so I went there to go look at it. And again, here we come back to money. I didn't have any money to buy the book. And um, so I sat in Barnes and Noble, which they let you do if you like have a coffee, you can sit on the floor and read 
you know, read a book. And I would go there every single day to read the book, <laughs> kind of like a library. I realized this is not helpful for wanting people that are writing books to make money, but this is what I did do. And I, and the, in the book had his, I don't know if it was in the book or I searched for his name, but I did find his email address and I wrote him an email. And much like Mark, although Spencer wasn't selling anything, I sent my story, a very, very, very long, desperate story of my situation. And I didn't expect a reply, actually, but he did reply. He tried to provide some insight into my situation and guidance for maybe some doctors I should see and stuff like that. And so um, he has definitely been an inspiring individual, supportive individual of all of my endeavors and someone that I look to what someone that I looked towards when I started the Women's Hair Loss Project in 2007, I definitely was taking a page from what he had done, which was really putting yourself out there and being kind of a consumer advocate for people that are dealing with hair loss. I wanted to do that for women dealing with hair loss. I wanted to provide my story. And I also wanted to provide a safe place for women to come to where they weren't going to be sold anything. It was just information, you know one place on the internet that was safe for them. And that is what that was what he had done. And I had wanted to do the same for women. So I did see a number of doctors that were recommended. But this is where the story begins to get a little bit complicated. I should say before that I did vitamins, I took iron, um, I bought the stuff in the I went to the supplement store and they were they told me that sal palmetto would be useful and horsetail and all of this stuff what they don't tell you by the way just so you guys know anything vitamin or otherwise that you take that you're putting in your system that's natural quote unquote natural anything that's going to claim to grow your hair can also actually make it fall out in a shedding in a shedding way just so you know I just want to put that out there but um, I did the vitamins I did the nioxin I took iron I went to the doctors I had all my blood work done everything came back normal they couldn't actually find a reason one doctor finally a year later diagnosed me with androgenetic alopecia. He used a densitometer on my head to see that there was miniaturization, which is a hallmark of androgenetic alopecia. And that was in the year 2000. And not that doctor, but different. No, it was that doctor. Get confused or a different doctor. One of them told me that I could treat my hair loss with the pill aldactone at the dosage of 200 milligrams. And in his opinion, it was only effective at 200 milligrams. Now, aldactone, which is the brand name of spironolactone, is actually a high blood pressure medication that has shown to have anti-androgenic properties. And so it is something that women are given as one of the very few things that could potentially help them with their hair loss. So that was prescribed to me and something that I agreed to take. The other thing that was I had swore to never do um, was get back on the pill because it caused all of this suffering for me. But one of the doctors told me that if I got back on a hair-friendly pill, quote-unquote hair-friendly pill, as though that exists on the planet, um, that I could potentially stabilize my hormones and that would be able to make everything better. And I was just so desperate. I also was told to try minoxidil, men's 5%. I did that. And I was also told if I was willing to be on the birth control pill, I could also take finasteride, the pill just for men. That's for their prostate. That also helps them with their hair. That I did that. So I did all of this basically at the same time, just so you know. And by the way, that would be called the kitchen sink approach and would be ill-advised to do because if any one of those treatments actually did work, how would you know which one it was? So I did minoxidil. I got I did minoxidil, finasteride, aldactone, 200 milligrams, and got back on a birth control pill, I'm sorry, orthotricycline, which was supposed to be the hair friendly one, all at the same time. Okay, massive fail all around. 
I should say that orthotricycline over the years, you know, I was blogging on my site a lot. People cited that pill as the cause of their hair loss. That's why I said, I don't actually think that there is a hair friendly pill on the planet. I think that all pills can actually potentially trigger hair loss, whether you get on or off, whether it's Diane 35, Yasmin or whatever is the new fandangle, fandangle thing of the of today. I don't know. It's just something to be aware of. I'm not discouraging anybody from trying it or doing it. I'm just saying that this is, I'm going to let you know what happened to me. Uh, finasteride and minoxidil were just a disaster. Um, they, uh, one of them made me greasy, one of them made me pimply, and it just was not going to be a thing was not going to work. I did get off of those. I didn't laugh fairly early on. I I did wait the prescribed amount of time to see if it would work. It wasn't. It was just leaving me a greasy, oily, pimply mess. So I got off of those and was left with uh, orthotricycline and aldactone from the year 2000 until I was able to get off of it in 2013. And so I was stuck on these medications. But I want to just take this moment to tell you what my regret was. Something that I've had to live with and wonder is if I would have allowed myself the proper amount of time to restabilize itself. This was something that got triggered by getting off of the pill. I threw my hormones out of whack, but I immediately ran to find the first thing I could grab to shove down my throat or put on my head because I was so desperate and I was so vulnerable. Um, If I could go back in time, I would not do that. I've always wondered if I would have waited and I mean, wait, just wait it and say, you know, one year, two years, three years to see for sure two years, okay, to see if my body could have fixed itself. If I could go back in time, as far as the treatment of my hair loss goes, that is the one thing I would have done. Nothing in the beginning. But I ended up getting on two medications that both ran the risk of me shedding massively if I got off of them. And I felt terrible being on them. As a matter of fact, the aldactone caused me lightheadedness. And I was like a 21-year-old person taking a medication for high blood pressure. And I didn't have high blood pressure. But, you know, what the heck? Screw it, right? Who cares about our health if we can get our hair back? So, you know, what the heck? Get back on the pill that, you know, call it, get back on a pill that caused all my suffering. Why not? If it could help. And... I constantly for years and years regretted that decision, getting on those pills because I felt stuck. How could I get off of these pills when I knew I ran the risk of a shed? I knew I ran the risk of what happened the first time when I got off of a birth control pill. And I knew that getting off of aldactin would also carry the same risk because if it was if it was doing anything, of value, which I had no way to know, by the way, because I, I'm doing these two things simultaneously. I had no way to know if it worked or didn't work. I would all I could also shed. I didn't necess- it wasn't necessarily for sure, but it was a potential and something that scare- scared me enough to stay scared on these medications well past the time that I felt comfortable. 13 years to be exact. Um, I only felt comfortable getting off of these medications after I started wearing wigs in 2012. And then also I was doing PRP, which I started in 2009, which I did feel was effective in helping to control the shedding of my hair and helping it to just be a bit better overall. So I felt that if I had done a PRP treatment, I would be able to get off of, I think the way I did it was one of the treatments I got off aldactone to help hopefully like mitigate the damage of shedding. And then on another 
another treatment in 2013. There's actually a post on this on my blog for anybody interested on the day I got off of probably each of those medications. Um, Probably a long one because I write long, but you know, just making that leap. But I only did it at that time. And I only found the courage in 2013. And it did take courage to know that I was potentially going to experience something horrifying on my head because I definitely did not have the hair that I had in 1999, in 2013. But since I knew that I could wear wigs and I knew that PRP may help the shed, I felt like I could make the leap. And that was one of the most positive things I should say that I've done for myself was getting off those medications. I felt liberated. You know, being on the pill, I suffered issues as well, side effects. I, for this is like an overshare for anybody listening to this, I'm sure, but I bled like black and stuff like that, like spotting. And that's like not normal, by the way. And like the doctor frequently wanted to change my pill, but I was not willing to do that because switching the pill can cause hair loss. So here I am on a high blood pressure pill, bleeding black, but but, you know, stuck and scared, stuck and scared. And so that, so, so that is basically my hair loss cause and my hair loss regret. During the time that I was blogging on my site and I started my site in 2007 and I started it at the lowest point of my hair loss. I started it at a point where I saw no future. I saw no hope. I was so depressed. I had given up on things that I was passionate about. I had just given up on life. I thought there would be no life for me. And so I started a blog and I called it the Women's Hair Loss Project. And it was just me writing to the world and not knowing if anybody would read it, but it was basically like an online diary or online journal, you know, so I could put it out there and if it reached anybody, you know, see if it reached anybody. And eventually it did. I always remember the first time somebody wrote me and exactly where I was and exactly what I was watching because I was like, oh my God, I'm not the only one out there. And in that moment, I knew I wasn't alone. And that was in 2007. And then in 2008, I started the Women's Health Project Network, which was a social network for women to get connected and to share their stories and have that additional medium to, you know, connect with one another and get advice from one another. And while there's no, like I said, you can't ever really advise what somebody should do. There's just so much power in relating and so much power in seeing somebody else who's at a different point in their journey. And some, one of the most like, I don't know, it was a personal frustration of mine and something I got down on myself a lot about was, you know, here I am blogging and I'm seeing women that are joining the site and they're, you know, not sure what to do. And they had made decisions like so fast. They moved so fast through their process of, you know, because there were a lot of women in my site at the time that were actually bonding, bonding toppers was really big at the time. And shaving your head too. We had um, a really inspirational person in there, Angela, who shaved her head. We had Amber, who was like the person we looked to for bonded toppers. And so we had these people to look to as inspiration in that community. And a lot of people came in and they were able to like shave their head or they were able to bond a topper. And they came in and they came out of that site so fast. And I was like, how is it possible that I'm sitting here and I'm reading the stories and I'm writing my blogs and I'm just stuck and I'm stagnant and I'm not able to move forward. How come I can't make the leap into wearing hair? How come I can't, how come I can't move like I was in quicksand? I don't have the answer for that, by the way. All I can tell you is that that was how my body processed slowly. And so a lot of times people always say how, you know, 
I wish I could just be where you are and how you got to this place. But the part that they missed was all of what I'm telling you right now and how long it took to get to that place. My hair loss started in 1999. I started communicating with women through my site in 2007. In my network in 2008, I started seeing women that were inspiring, you know, doing things that were inspiring and helping other women. Like I said, with wearing hair bonnet, like I said, wasn't really wigs. People weren't wearing wigs. That was the bonnet topper. That was the thing. And and shaving your head, you know, and you know, why, why couldn't, why couldn't I do that? I think what to take from that is we move at our own time frame. And when you see somebody online or you think, you know, how they've reached this place and how they've accepted and how they've gotten to this or how they've gotten to that. Oftentimes what you're missing out is that whole backstory. And maybe theirs was much faster than mine, by by the way. Like, I think I moved like molasses through this. I could not accept. I could not accept anything less than any of my hair growing back in. That was not an option in my brain. What was an option was going to church, praying and getting on my knees every night and praying to God for the following chant. Please, God, let my hair grow back in thick and strong. Please, God, let my hair grow back in thick and strong. By the way, this is while I'm running the Women's Hair Loss Project, blogging, you know, my woes. And if you go back and you read the earlier entries, you'll see plenty of them, plenty of my tears and frustrations and stuff like that. But I could not move forward. It was not my time or it wasn't my moment. That moment came for me just blasted like out of, I had a conference to go to in 2012 and I was really ashamed and embarrassed of how my hair looked and I didn't know how I was going to be able to be in front of people with any level of confidence and um, feel okay. So I basically went on this massive find a wig spree. And that's, I guess that's a different story, but and I've talked about it probably in another podcast, but that came to be like, it was like in a one month flurry of trying to find the wig. I had made attempts previously, and this goes back way to the point of trying Godiva wigs like in 1999 in a kiosk um, in the Topanga Mall. I've had I, an eBay ordering of wigs, but really the wig wearing time of seriousness came in 2012, March, I guess. And I was like ordering online and frantically and going to, it was just a whole thing. Eventually I did find a wig that made me feel like me and the rest is history. And um, up until that point on my site, I had never actually shown my face. I'm just a very private person. And also I felt when I started my site and just please be conscious or aware of the year of this is going on. It's not the climate of today. There was nobody doing this. There was nobody, it wasn't out there. So it's putting yourself out there in a very vulnerable way. And I felt that the only way that I could be true and authentic to what I was going through in a manner that would be true to me and helpful to somebody else was I couldn't show my face. And I didn't use my name. Now, I don't use my name for a couple of reasons, but that was one of them. And So I'm known as Y, which is the initial of my name, but I have a very unusual name. And I just felt like it was too much exposure. My face would be too much exposure. My name would be too much exposure. You know, this is, like I said, this is a different time. It kind of stuck, it just kind of stuck. You know, people in my life that I've met through my site that are my close friends, they call me Y. Sophie calls me Y. I don't think she's ever actually used my real name, ever. Yeah, they just it's just a nickname that stuck and I'm and I'm proud of that to be honest with you. I'm proud of it because it represents something that it was so difficult for me to deal with, something that I'm proud of having done. 
And so <laughs> I wear the Y proudly. But um, when it came to 2012 and when I started wearing wigs, I felt that I needed to. It was like something I had to push myself to do to show women that this was a true and real option, that this was a possibility, that this wasn't just for, you know, old ladies in rocking chairs. And you could look really, really good in a wig, that it's okay and kind of pull the stigma off of wig wearing. I wanted to put that out there. So I forced myself painfully so to try to put images and video online. And it wasn't my comfort level. I assure you of that. And that's why if you look on my YouTube channel, just go all the way back. I'm wearing some sunglasses or you look on my site and go all the way back, I'm wearing sunglasses and indoors. This was like me hiding. I couldn't reveal who I was, you know, because I couldn't be seen. It's just something that that that's how I dealt with it. I don't think it was until 2015, if I'm not mistaken. So three years after wearing hair that I pulled the sunglasses off, that I felt more comfortable. I moved like molasses, like I said, but that was my journey and that was my path. And I don't know if that helps anybody in their hair loss life or in their hair loss situation hearing my story or my regrets. But um, I just I definitely wanted to share that because it is such a very difficult thing to live with and to to try to navigate. And while there is more information online nowadays as it pertains to hair loss and women sharing more about their own journeys and things like that, our journey is still our own somebody else's journey is their own. And what you cannot do is compare yourself to them. Because I don't know anybody's journey, to be honest with you. And I have communicated with a ton of women. I don't know anybody's journey that is exactly parallel to mine. There's similarities here and there's similarities there, but not exactly parallel. Definitely keep that in mind and be kind and patient and loving to yourself when you're thinking, or you're seeing a picture online, or you're like, that person's got their, you know, their shit together. Well, maybe. It's also the internet. So I just, I just want to put my truth out there. So if you want to find me online, um, you can definitely visit my YouTube channel at WHLP Network. Like I said, I'm posting more content on there. So please subscribe and also on Instagram at WHLP Network. I definitely appreciate you guys listening to my story and I hope it helps some. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.